You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This is On Principle, Challenges of Jewish Education, and I'm here with my good friend, uh, Rabbi Mark Gottlieb, who has graciously given up his time and uh, to us here today uh, in order to discuss something which I know is very dear to his heart, um, and that is... Let me just tell you who Mark Gottlieb is first. He is, of course, the uh, senior director of of the Tikva programs. And if you don't know about Tikva, uh, we're going to tell you, uh, go to their website. You're going to be able to find out a lot about what Tikva does. But what Tikva is, is not only a think tank examining questions that confront the Jewish society, the Jewish world, um, but they are uh, essentially a educational outlet, an educational institution, something that uh, sponsors, an institution that sponsors uh, incredible summer programs and seminars. Uh, and specifically, what I want to talk to Rabbi Gottlieb about today is the different type of education that we talked about in the past, the education of educating, finding and educating leaders, leadership training. Um, it's a very tricky thing to do. Tikva is definitely the leader in the Jewish world in, in pushing that. So I want to talk to you, Rabbi Gottlieb, today. That's very Matt. generous. I, I, <laughs> I, hope, I hope we're among the leaders. But, well, uh, thank I, you. <laughs> yeah, well, again, I'm not ex- I don't always have my ear to the ground of what's going on in, in the Jewish world, but I, this idea of, of finding the next generation's leaders and and giving them and actually paying them, I think, right? Uh, to attend. In many cases, not all cases. But to, to provide stipends and to help to get the, what you believe might be the next generation's leaders into a program, uh, usually done in the summer, but not, not exclusively, I think. And to reveal to them in a way, right? And to actually make, to, to, to bring them together and to reveal to them some of the best thought are out there and giving them incredible uh, speakers and, and, and challenges uh, in order to perhaps really shore up the direction that those young people are going on and to really maybe push them towards the leadership role that, that, that the next generation needs to have. Would you say that's a little bit of a, an accurate description of what, what, what you do? And, and really, really expand on I that. I think cause... it's spot on. It's very, it's, it's more than accurate. It's, it gets to the heart of, of at least one of, of Tikva's main tasks and, and ambitions. Um, and I think you said it quite well that the, the work of, cultivating leaders is, is not easy. It's not easy on lots of levels. It's not a science. Uh, we're not making widgets or automobiles on an assembly line. We're trying to first identify and then cultivate young men and women that we think can have a powerful impact on the Jewish community and beyond. Um, so that's, you know, in a nutshell, that's the educational mission of, of the Tikva Fund. Um, I should just say, before we get too far, 
into the substance that uh, it's just an incredible <laughs> pleasure to be able to have this conversation with my dear friend, uh, Rabbi Vremel Kivalovich. And I, I'm at least uh, a little awkward and uncomfortable, not simply <laughs> calling him Avramel, my yeah, dear friend right. Avramel, right. but, right. yeah. um, but this is a great platform that you have, that you've, you've cultivated as a, as a source of, of insight and intellectual okay. um, right. engagement well. <laughs> for, for your, your listeners and, and your audience. So uh, well, I'm I appreciate very it, honored. Yeah. I'm I, honored I, to be on the program. It's, uh, <laughs> it's oh, not no. a matter of being gracious. Uh, it's a matter of, of a pleasure, really. It's a simple okay. pleasure to be to be here with you. Well, well, I do think, look, obviously, you know, you reach out to your friends first, and those are the people who are going to give you the time. But I do think, you know, honestly, that, that what you have and what, what, what you're doing is something unique and different. It's not, and especially, I would say, you really appreciate its uniqueness because, you know, you, you have a, a great history in education. We, we were actually, in a way, colleagues for a while at the, uh, in uh, HTC, Hebrew Theological College. We were both part of that mm-hmm. together. Um, but you have been very firmly involved in what's called, I guess, definitely cutting edge, but standard education in terms of, uh, in terms of your head of school at, uh, uh, at, in Maimonides and at, um, at MTA, uh, I know it's called something else. You remind me uh, that I didn't use the official name. Yeshiva for... University High School for Boys. Yes. So you've been there, and 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 you've been, and that's more like in the box traditional. And I know you, and now you've stepped out of that, and now you're zeroing in. I know, you know, you do have programs for post high school, but let's talk about the high school program teaching. You know that you have for the sure. summer. Um, so you've been there. You've been in the old style. Now you're in this new type of teaching where you're trying to find and, and promote. So my first question is, how do you find your clientele? How do you find these students? Because we were talking before we started recording. It isn't just SAT scores and, and, and high intellectual capability, is it? No, it's it's definitely not just a matter of the numbers of of you know, an IQ or even, you know, uh, performance on exams that measure skills and aptitudes and achievement. Um, it's a, it is a complex calculus. And I would say that, you know, the, the mathematical metaphor is, is wrong to begin with. It's, it's really a question of judgment and a question of, of looking at character as well as intellect, looking at students, young men and women who we believe could be, you know, the next Malcolm Honeline or, or the next Ruth Weiss or the next Mayor Soloveitchik. Uh, how do you how do you first identify those young men and women that that have the potential to to be that caliber of leader for the Jewish community? And I think I think character is is a hugely significant um, factor. I think. You know, when we we have a, a very thorough vetting process, you know, we have you know, a standard application with essays and CV and and grades and then recommendations from not just one a- academic source, but someone that knows the student outside of school, that knows the student in a more intimate and more personal and in a more character-driven way. 
but then, you know, we do interviews with the students. And again, this is not radically unique. Uh, programs like the Bronfen Fellowships have a very thorough vetting process and applications and interviews. But I think what we're looking for is, you know, someone who has deep passion for ideas. Reading is, is often one of the first uh, or second criteria for, for excellence in our estimation. If you're a passionate reader, if, if you love to read, if, if a book is always by your bedside, um, if you're thinking in ideas, you know, that to us is a, is a tremendously um, indicative quality of, of a real deep love of learning. Um, but then you have to stand for something. You could stand for being open-minded and, and being, you know, very balanced, but you have to embrace that with a certain fervor, with a certain, you know, it's, it's not the middle ground because you're wishy-washy, parv, you know, but you believe passionately in, in moderation because of a, of a moral or intellectual ideal of a, some epistemological humility or, or some sense in your character that to understand one's own position, one has to really grapple with other people's positions in a serious way. So those are the kinds of qualities. Obviously, we do look for people that have leadership in more conventional ways. If they're, if they're involved in their sports teams or they're doing something extracurricularly that is um, a, a demonstration of, uh -huh. of, a, of a kind of excellence, but an excellence of character as much as, as it is of a, a pure mind or pure intellect. Well, ha having taught in, in, in high schools like SAR and Kushner and others, and Ida Crown, where I think, you know, we were also in a way... Uh, both, yes. ...being together. Yes. Um, we, we know that, especially, you know, there, there, there are guidance counselors, college guidance counselors, that sort of prep the kids about this is what they want to see in the essay. This is what they want to see. So th there's a way, I would say, that the essay and other things can almost be artificially prepped to sort of like give uh, the reader what they want to sort of imply that. And, and sure. I know that, and I know yeah. that that's what that, that's I think part that's of, true. But so that's I would part say, of the discernment that has to, the judgment that has to take place. It's much harder to fake your way through an interview, yeah. although our kids are very savvy and accomplished these days. They, <laughs> they know how to, to, to conduct, you know, to, to, to be, you know, on the spot in an interview. But I think it's, it's the little glimmers of originality, the glimmers of going against, you know, Kenegeta Zerem, against the, the stream, against the grain, that to us really mark potential for, for greatness. When, you know, a kid is, is willing to be passionate about a hobby or, or an area of interest that isn't so popular. Um, you know, they study the American Civil War. They know the American Civil War in and out. They know Sherman and and Grant and Lee and, you know, Jefferson Davis. And we, we were talking about Judah P. About Benjamin the against America, <laughs> Judah P. Benjamin, of course. Um, yeah. But yeah, they just, they, they own this, this not discipline per se, because they still are young. They're not, we don't expect them to master, you know, the discipline like a, you know, a, a scholar or a college professor per se, but they have that passion that joy, that breath, um, and depth, more than just the surface, the patina of respectability of knowing, you know, how to talk about this at a at a superficial but 
you know, maybe cosmetic, you know, cocktail party level if, if they were attending cocktail parties. So, so, so it's really, something deeper. It's something deeper. Yeah. So really, again, this probably, like you say, the discernment, the wisdom, it's, it's an art, but it's the art, like you say, of trying to find behind the interview what the person's really about. So I, I guess that leads me to my next point is that I, I know as I was doing some research on what Tikva does, I know that you have for, I think, high school students, two different programs. You, you have a program, I believe, for day school, you know, Jewish day school students uh, and, and which Jewish high school day school students. And you also have a program uh, for students who are products of the public schools or non-affiliated uh, uh, Jewish schools, uh, non-denominational Jewish schools. Uh, right? One is called the Tikva Scholars, yes. and one is the called... Tikva Scholars. The Tikva Scholars, and the other program is called the Maimonides Scholars, which is a joint venture between the Tikva Fund and the Maimonides Fund, a, a wonderful philanthropy that uh, we've been blessed to, to work with the past three years in developing and launching and leading and operating the Maimonides Scholars program. The Maimonides Scholars program is a sister program, though, of the Tikva program. Both are at Yale and you know, there's there's a fair amount of um, of shared opportunities for learning. Mm-hmm. Although in in Jewish studies per se, the curricula are distinct, which you know makes a lot of sense given the respective communities that the students are coming from. Um, but both students sort of are marked by those qualities that we were discussing a little bit earlier of of passion. Of, of originality, of of a sense of adventure, of a of a love of of ideas or love of, of reading, love of uh, of engaging with the world, and and ultimately a love of the Jewish people. Um, that to us is sort of the best metric for um, for one's potential leadership within the Jewish community in the future. In other words, do you passionately love the Jewish people? You could have a different conception of the Jewish people if you're in the Maimonides Scholars Program or in the Tikva Program, but the shared, you know, common denominator, common interest is, you know, loving your people, feeling that it's it's okay to love your people. Um, one shouldn't be embarrassed or ashamed or, or feel apologetic about loving one's people. But I, but I would assume that that some of the emphasis is different in terms of even presentation and the, the, the way the program, the parameters of the program. Like if you, if, if, if you have students who have never been exposed um, to what we would call traditional Jewish learning and the skills that go along with it, I would assume that in the uh, Maimonides program, where you have kids from public schools like that, that you, you would probably spend time with them of giving them the initial skills of what it means to actually really put their, bite their teeth into a Jewish text and to extract something from it, sure. right? Um, whereas... Oh, absolutely. Uh, my sense is in terms of the uh, the Tikva Scholars Program, where these kids, like you say, they've had teachers, Rebbeim, and, 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 and they've done stuff. It seems that you probably aren't, necessarily giving them the, the skills of, of, of studying text, but I think as, as you've said in the past, you're giving them a greater literacy and an openness, right? We, so it, 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 is that yeah. correct, you think, in yeah, terms sure. of... Yeah, no, sure. No, I think that that's, that is correct. I would, the caveat here is that 
both the Tikva Scholars Program and the Maimonides Scholars Program have a fair amount of breadth and division within each of those programs in terms of the kind of kid that we educate that, that are, is a part of the program. So in the Maimonides Program, you'll get students that have never stepped foot in, in a shul. You'll get kids that have never been to shul, that have not had a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah. Um, on the other hand, even within the Maimonides scholars, you'll get kids on the other side of the, just the literacy spectrum, you'll get kids that are very engaged in their, you know, conservative synagogues. They, they go to USY, Camp Ramah, um, BBYO, different gradations of, of Jewish engagement, Jewish literary or textual engagement. So, you know, having said that, acknowledging that there is a, a fair amount of diversity, even within the Maimonides program, um, more within the Maimonides program, interestingly, than within the, the Tikva program, which may not be that surprising, but the Tikva program itself draws not just on Orthodox Yeshiva day schools, but even day schools that are considered more community-run or, or pluralistic. But I think you're quite right in framing the goal of the Maimonides program to get a, a certain kind of skill slash literacy in Jewish text, in the Jewish story, in the Jewish religious story. And, and our goal in large part is to create a sophisticated entry point to Judaism for the Maimonides scholars that are, you know, again, coming with different degrees of background, but haven't for one reason or another, haven't had that opportunity to really deeply engage in Jewish texts, um, to read a piece of Gemara. I mean, they read it in translation. That's appropriate and fair given the amount of time we have with them and, and what our larger goals are, but to actually look inside deeply and, and uncover the layers of meaning in the rabbinic texts, in the biblical text, in modern and contemporary Jewish thinkers like Rabbi Salvechik or Abraham Joshua Heschel. Um, so that is a primary goal of the Maimonides Scholars Program is simply to engage these young men and women in a sophisticated way so that they'll love their Judaism or at least they'll come to appreciate how sophisticated and how rich an intellectual religious legacy Judaism is because they're not getting that in their Hebrew schools or in their after-school programs or in their synagogues necessarily. I, I, we wish that they were, then we, you know, then we wouldn't play mm -hmm. as significant a role. We wouldn't need to, but, but, but they're not generally. So, I, so it sounds like, and, the, in the, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. It sounds like I promised I wasn't going to interrupt you too much, but I, but it sounds like for the Tikva scholars, who maybe have gone to schools where they're familiar with these thinkers. Maybe it seems like what you try to do is to perhaps uh, give them uh, exposure to Western philosophy to, uh, in terms of religious philosophy. I know, I know you've spoken in the past about the importance of, of even someone like uh, Pope John Paul uh, II in terms of uh, the type of vision that he gave for engaging in terms of family values and, and, and yeah. issues. And engaging uh, the West in a, in, a, in a radically secularized West. John Paul II is a great voice of reason and thoughtfulness and engagement, um, sanity, in, in, in short, <laughs> yeah. in, in a very um, confused, secular, uh, relativistic world. So, so, um, so, so but those... yes, I think you, you've captured, I think, the essence of it in terms of 
the Tikva scholars' mission is is really to expand on on their background. These are kids that wherever they're coming from have had a Jewish day school for twelve years. Um, it could be from Beis Yaakov of Baltimore. It could be from Neir Yisrael. Now, those are exceptions that prove the rule that most of the kids are coming, the vast majority of kids are coming from modern Orthodox um, day schools, but we have a, a certain percentage coming also from community day schools, pluralistic day schools like Gann Academy and Heschel and JDS down in Potomac, and Bethesda. Um, but I think there, the challenge is a somewhat different one from the Maimonides scholars, there the challenge is, how does Judaism speak to the larger questions of culture? How does Judaism, as a living, breathing tradition of religion, of practice, how does it speak to contemporary questions of economics, of politics, of social thought, um, and how to create a certain excellence of thought that takes into account the broader scope of, of learning? So, you know, many of our day school kids they could read a Pasuk with Rashi and Ramban. You know, maybe Ramban is, is still a, a good, you know, bellwether for how sophisticated, you know, the reading and the education of our, of our day school, of a yeshiva day school students are. But they could read these texts and they sometimes have very sophisticated ways of interpreting the intra, you know, exegetical debates and disputes. And, you know, they, they do very well with that. What they are less comfortable with is how Jewish ideas can engage the broader culture, how Jewish ideas should inform a, a worldview, a worldview that is capacious, that is broad, that does include the great questions of modernity around economic policy, around you know, political philosophy, around culture, high culture, popular culture. These are the, the large questions that students they think about, but they don't think about it often with Jewish lenses. They don't think about it from a Jewish vantage point. Um, and that's what we're hoping to do with the Tikva scholars is to give them the tools, the skills, the literacy to think about these larger you know, larger questions and larger debates and issues from the point of view of Judaism as a, as a living tradition, as a, as a Masora of, of real deep thought. And, and, and part of the way I think that you accomplish that, if, if I'm not mistaken, is by presenting living models of that type of uh, attitude by the speakers that they're actually going to hopefully be energized by, right? By It isn't just giving them challenges of like to work. I think they do work in teams a little bit, right? There is a little bit of teamwork. Well, they, work, and, they have seminars and, and they they definitely do a lot of close reading of text. There's a lot of reading as you might expect um, in terms of preparation for the seminars. The seminars are discussions, not lectures. They're, they're conversations that are orchestrated or led by a master pedagogue, a master teacher, often with expertise in their field at the level of the scholar. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. We have a uh, Professor Jim Otteson, who is considered one of the world's leading experts on Adam Smith and the Scottish Enlightenment and the relationship between political economy and, and ethics. Um, he's written books for Oxford University, Cambridge. Um, he's also a fantastic seminar leader. And so he's a scholar and a seminar leader, and he teaches our students a course in ethics and economics. Uh, but he's also a living 
you know, role model of, he's, he's a faithful Catholic, um, so that students, without knowing too much about his background, they sense that this is a, a, a man of faith who takes the world of, of tradition and orthodoxy even seriously. Uh, when he's doing a piece um, from the German economist Wilhelm Rapke, a 20th century uh, sort of conservative um, thinker and economist, there's a section on natural nobility or natural aristocracy. And, and the point in that passage is that you don't create a, a, a natural aristocrat. They come out of a certain culture, a certain system, um, organically, naturally. And he basically, to illustrate this point in the text of Rupke, he uses the idea of a gadol, of a, of a, of a gadol batora, because wow. he used to teach at Yeshiva University, and he knows, you know, <laughs> Jewish, so that, and there was that article, I think, um, that, uh, that uh, Chaim Seiman um, celebrated article in, in Lair House, I think, a number of years ago, where he beautifully illustrated this very point that there's a kind of a free marketplace of ideas that, that, that generates the, the acceptance of the gadol by Klal that it's not a system of who has the greater proficiency in Shas and Poskim and and shoulds, although that's a, a requirement, but that's not enough. It's necessary, but not sufficient. And it's these, these intangible factors that really go into promoting the natural aristocracy. And Jim Otteson, this Catholic Midwestern professor who's now teaching at Notre Dame after many years at Wake Forest and originally at Yeshiva University, is using the idea of a posek and a gadol batora as the as the mark of, of this Rupkian notion so, of natural aristocracy and, and precisely the, the kind of free market or undetermined or underdetermined so, nature of it. So I'm just imagining myself as a young student uh, hearing that. So what you actually have is almost like a, a 360 degree turn uh, eventually. In other words, first you're hearing from a, a, a clear intellectual thinker uh, ideas and that speak to you and that, and then he actually brings it back into your kishka, so to speak, by showing you how this is actually living within your own dynamic. And really, that could really be a spur for leadership. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to wrap things up just with a couple of, of points here. And I know we've talked about this in the past before, that the, the, the outreach to where you're finding your next godel and, you know, who you're going to, the next Heinlein, the next Salvechik or Ruth Weiss, um, we know that the, the if, we're, if we're talking about the Jewish DNA, we know that way beyond Ner Yisrael, even in the Hasidish schools, the real, we call the ultra-Orthodox Frumkite, there are incredible brains and minds that, that have been fueled by Talmudic thinking and learning. And I, I know, it, to me, you know, I, I'm ex- I would be excited by the possibility of Tikva you know, sending their agents out there as well. You know, there's, you know, the Noida Yehuda, as my good friend Rabbi David Katz wrote his uh, doctoral thesis, the super rabbi, the Noida Yehuda, Francesco Lando, was extremely well versed in the political landscape of what was happening in the world. There's a reason why he was the godo of his door. Um, again, things have sort of changed a bit, but wouldn't it be great if, if, if you could also somehow... And again, there's a lot of uh, ikuvim. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, things yeah, standing mean, in your way. I think, 
if you're suggesting, as I believe you are, that Tikva should widen its 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 scope. Yes, <laughs> that's what I am suggesting. Yeah, we <laughs> we lost a little audio there, Mark. You, you still there? Yeah, I could tell. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah. Okay, right. So, right, that's what I am suggesting. I am suggesting that that in leadership, in other words, yeah. I think your leadership pool might be limited. Again, we're talking about a kid in the, uh, and I, I'm sorry for using that term, but a ch- uh, basically a person who's, who's in his growth spurt. And, and you might, again, you mm. can find that anywhere. Um, the, you know, as Mark Twain said, you know, when he was, you know, when he was 21, he, he didn't realize how stupid he was at 18, right? When he talked about, it, he said when he was 18, right. he thought his father was the biggest fool in the world. He said, you know, when he turned 21, he didn't realize, you know, how how smart his father had become. You can get these students right. at an age where they're out there, and 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 right. I'm I'm wondering if. If perhaps, especially in that area where where they come with incredible skills of learning, where now you could just give them that other part of the uh, mm-hmm. of the equation, you know, because they already have the natural love for the text and and are engaged with it, and that that I think would be a wonderful thing if you'd be able to 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 pull that trick. Sure. Look, it, it's it's a great ambition, and I would say that in Eretz Yisrael, where I think. For lots of reasons we don't have to go into now, but some obvious sociological, historical, um, political considerations. The 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 matzav is is different in terms of the, the percentage of of Jews that identify as Haredi within the larger Jewish you know population. The stakes that are you know incredibly high in Eretz Yisrael for the Haredi community. In Eretz Yisrael, we are doing exactly what you're proposing, Rabbi Vreimel. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just, you know, I, I love, I love sharing this because this is another person very close to my heart, Rabbi Yeshua Pfeffer. Uh, Rabbi Pfeffer was both discovered by Tikva, but had an incredibly rich life apart from Tikva until he met Tikva, and now he's actually leading our effort for Haredi engagement, Haredi education in Eretz Yisrael. Just quickly, Rabbi Pfeffer grew up in London, um, in you know, a kind of a center-right, but pretty still modern community. Went to, I think, Hasmonean uh, for high school, and then wound up in Eretz Yisrael. And after a couple of years, uh, landed in the Mir, and was in the Mir for many, many years, six, seven, eight, something like that, or a good chunk of time in, in the Mir. And uh, in the mirror, I think he met his future father-in-law, Rav Ruven Leuchter, uh, a Talmud Muvak of Rav Shlomo Bolbi. Uh, Rav Pfeffer became a Talmud of Rav Usher Weiss, great posek and, and really a manig, I would say. I wish he were even more of a manig, uh, but <laughs> we're, we're, we're honored and, and grateful to, to have Rav Usher you know, occasionally visit the Kina community, and he's a uh, Adam Gadol, Mamish. Um, I agree. <laughs> I you know, agree. Studied, <laughs> he's a very special person, Rav Asher Weiss. Um, and uh, that would be something I think if Rav Asher Weiss would come as a... Well, as, Usher, as, Rav Asher Weiss knows very well about Tikva because yeah. 
one of Rav Usher Weiss's closest Tamidim is Yoshua Pfeffer. Yeah. Rav Usher Weiss, um, Beisdin in Ramot, uh, uh, Yehoshua was one of the Dayanim in the Beisdin in, in Ramot, Rav, Usher's, Rav Usher Weiss's Beisdin. And after many years of, of learning and hurrah, uh, Yehoshua decided to go to Hebrew U, to the Hebrew University, to get a law degree. Uh, he eventually, he distinguished himself so much so that he became a clerk for Justice Hendel on the Israeli Supreme Court. And today he is really one of the young leading lights in the new Haredi community, uh, firmly you know, ensconced in, in a world of Torah mitzvahs, uh, uh, a serious Talmud um, Chacham and, and a serious Bal um, Machshava, who now works for Tikva with Tikva, among other things, uh, in terms of trying to reach young minds without trying to disrupt their 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 religiosity, their frumkeit, but to give them a broader perspective, not to you know to diminish their their perspective in frumkeit in, in Torah mitzvahs, but to give them a broader perspective that includes politics and economics and statecraft and leadership that Eretz Yisrael desperately, desperately needs. And as the Haredi community grows, it will turn increasingly willy-nilly to, to the Haredi community. And there have to be people that can step up and, and lead as statesmen and not just as a provincial, parochial um, interest uh, seekers. Well, and, that would... and, and that's something that Yoshua does with, with Tikva. Um, in America, we've had more modest efforts, given the difference in the lay of the land, but we've had years of, of work with Haredi young men, Haredi women. Um, Aaron Lopiansky has been involved, uh, um, giving shiurim and, and giving hadracha to these young men. Um, Rabbi Aaron Cutler is a, is a friend of, of Tikva and someone that we see as, as another great leader. Uh, we're looking for another Rabbi Aaron Cutler as well. Um, Baruch Hashem, he, he's well, and, and he should live and be well. He's got a lot of years ahead of him as, as a manik <laughs> in, uh, in base Medish Kavoa, but, you know, we need to look to the future, and, and I think uh, we would be fools to ignore the Haredi community. I think we're more eager to engage the Haredi community than the Haredi community is engaged with us at this time, but that's, I think, a matter of education and effort, Ishtablis, on, on on different sides. Well, I, I would just end this and, and say that perhaps this crisis that we're all living through now uh, will actually sunder the borders a little bit. You know, as we're all sitting at home, we don't necessarily have to hug the tree of our community as much, and we could actually be open. And perhaps Maybe. now might now might be a time to actually, as we're all here uh, alone but really maybe even more together to reach out. And I would love to see, uh, you know, on your list, not only the next Malcolm Hanline or Weiser Salvechik, but the next Pfeffer, the next Godel, because again, I think that leadership, in order to be considered a leader for the rest of Kuala Yisrael, um, in, in, in a major way, and you want to reach a major way, there has to be not just a proficiency in learning, but a greatness in halachic Absolutely. thought, almost right. to the point of being a, 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 an equal pasik 
to 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 the daily Israel. Well, Mark, thank you so much, Rabbi Gottlieb. I say, Mark, you say a very well. But thank you so much for giving me of your of, of your time today. Um, My pleasure. Please check out the Tikva website and the Tikva podcast, of course, which is an excellent, incredible program, professionally done to the hilt, and very interesting and engaging. Uh, and 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 thanks again for for being with us here. And we, we, we wish you only uh, the greatest success. Hopefully it won't be a... Um, Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.